When it comes to safety, nothing is more important than your vehicle's brakes. If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing or grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest and BrakeBest Select at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brakes from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. A podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. We're here. Mostly. Sort of, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much how I feel. So... Obviously, we are doing a pre-record. We're getting good at this. <laughs> and because of that, we can't do our normal intro that we do. So we're going to, you know, probably yeah. babble about other things. Although we could, it is, today is the first day of summer. That is true. There's that, you know, happy solstice and all that junk. Yeah. I don't know. There's such enthusiasm. It's it's beside myself on this. The reclaiming tradition in San Francisco does a, a ritual the night before uh-huh. at, at Ocean Beach, and they have a, a ritual, and then they do a dunk. So everyone strips down and runs into the ocean. And uh, I didn't go last night. I actually haven't gone down to the San Francisco rituals for a really long time. Um but I wanted to, uh-huh. you know, but we're both, Elvira and I are both preparing to go out of town, and I've got so much on my plate, so I didn't. I just kind of thought about it. <laughs> a lot of people posted pictures of Ocean Beach before the ritual on their in their social media, so that was fun. Uh-huh. But then the, com- the reclaiming community here in the North Bay is doing a ritual this weekend. Uh-huh. So I leave on Sunday. The ritual's on Saturday, so potentially I could go, but I'm also like, oh, I, I, you know, how much am I going to get done? You know, that's that's about how 
we both feel, and I know I feel that way, I'm not like tomorrow or this weekend, but it's coming up in a week and a half. And so there's all these things that you suddenly realize that not only are you working and, you know, following through on all of that, but then it's how do you prepare? And both of us have animals and houses and people and, you know, all the things that go with, with, you know, lifestyle. Right. So it's like, Uh, Yeah, it's funny because the last decade, public ritual has been such a huge part of my practice. Right. Helping plan public ritual, attending public ritual, like being part of this larger community. And in the last two years, maybe since I took over Milk and Honey, it slowly transitioned because I just can't, I don't have the same capacity to do all the things that I did before at the shop. But at least the last two years, I've just been kind of ambivalent about public ritual, like, Meh. I could go. I could not go. Yeah. The thing about public ritual, and this is totally a side topic, I get it. But it's her. Is sometimes, especially if it's a tradition that you know and you know well mm-hmm. and you know the flow and the arc and the way things tend to go, mm-hmm. you can get a little bit like snarky or director's eye it's hard to just walk into a ritual with beginner's mind right and fully be immersed and experience the ritual you can see where there may have been a misstep or a miscue Mm -hmm. or someone forgot that they were next or whatever right and it's so it's hard to just be in the at least for me it's hard to just be in the moment plus i'm like some rituals are amazing Mm -hmm. and some rituals are just meh and I don't know. I'm such a bitch now. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a ritual <laughs> snob. Like if I if I don't have complete faith that the ritual is going to be great, like well, I have better things to do than go to a crappy ritual. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds so shitty. I apologize to the world for how crappy that sounds. But you know, like I I don't I just well. I don't know. As as we age, and I mean, think of, I know that word age is like, ah, my God. Um, It becomes, what is it that moves me and thus will bring more to whatever is there because it's moving me. Right. And it's a participatory process. It's, I know for a long, long time, I was like, every ritual, any ritual, all over the place, you know, and suck it all up there. And then it began to be, you know, responsibilities, whether it was because my daughter, you know, had to go to soccer games or whatever, and she didn't do soccer, it was track. Um, Or it was work, and that was more like uh, out in the real world work as far as, like, corporate structure work. Or as it became more and more, I began to just kind of wean myself from that energy pattern that that I need to be out there and I want to feel in it. And now it's very, very, very rare for me to do that, not because I don't believe in it. It's that, like you, there is so much other places my energy is being put. Right. That sometimes if it's a good one, if you feel it's going to be a good one, it will feed you. Right. But if it doesn't, it's, you know, it's... Yeah. And it's not because the people... Or the ritual, it's that either you mesh with what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not that the ritual failed. It's just it wasn't my ritual. Right, it wasn't right for you yeah. at that time. And that is like, what we keep that makes telling. That sound less assholey. Thanks, well, Elvira. You're welcome. I'm into <laughs> rephrasing, you know, reframing, rephrasing. But it is true, though. Think about when you deal with our, and we deal with our clients, what we're doing 
is we're helping them reframe things. Right. They think we're talking about getting what they want. Yeah. But getting what you want as a person and reframing how it is you're going to see it and work with it right. is the is the key part of that time frame with yeah. us and, and magic or otherwise. So it's it's changing it. If you keep hitting your head against the wall, why you keep doing it? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So the same thing is with rituals and, and public gathering. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of like I leave for witch camp on Sunday. Uh-huh. That's kind of where what I'm stepping into because I, I've gone to witch camps for a decade uh-huh. and I've taught at them. So I've seen how the sausage is made. Right. Uh-huh. And I know the flow and the process. I also find this as a... Um, a thing I have to be mindful of when I go to long retreats is I have an expectation. Uh-huh. I, you know, we we in the reclaiming tradition we joke that that there there are camps for reclaiming all over the world. There are witch uh-huh. camps literally all over the world, and the California community is sort of known as a more um, ritual uh, drama uh-huh. community. There's definitely more. Um, performance art that uh-huh. happens in ritual in California. Uh-huh. And I really love that about the California community. Mm-hmm. But it also brings this expectation that I'm going to get done by the ritual. The ritual right. is going to do me. You right. know, my needs are going to get met because this ritual is going to be so impactful. Right. And that's unfair mm-hmm. to the ritualists. And that's unfair for me to have that expectation because I need to be fully immersed and put, ready to participate Right. As a participant. Right. So it's right. interesting because I know walking into camp, I'm, I'm already holding a little bit of expectation. Mm-hmm. I want to get done. Yeah. And I can't, I can't enter it that way. I have right. to be, I, I have to force myself and be conscious of stepping into beginner's mind. Right. And allowing myself to fully participate as if I had no idea. Right. How the flow is, quote unquote, supposed to go. Exactly. Yeah. And that is, and it's, it's a good it's good because what you're getting and what you, whenever, it's kind of like for me, it's when I go on trainings or, or yeah. things, and I go through the process and the same things. You step in with an expectation, this right. is what I need, I'm going to get it, yeah. and you forget of being, you know, like the beginner's mind. It's all new. It's all, what am I getting? Right. You know, right. what am I going to experience? Right. And uh, it's very empowering when you can finally move to that little section. Yeah. But it's then, not easy. No, it is not. Yeah. No, it is not. So, yeah. And I'm often, t- I often have this sort of jealousy <laughs> for people who have only experienced sort of small, intimate, or solitary mm-hmm. rituals because those are very beautiful and impactful. Uh, but there's a simplicity to them that mm-hmm. sometimes the the larger public rituals or or with long retreats rituals tend to be very complex, right. complicated, because they're trying to evoke a specific sense or they're trying to um, make the ritual accessible to lots of different people and right. personalities. So right. it's much more complex. Right. And sometimes a more simple. Ritual is boring to me, mm-hmm. and that that makes me sad. Yeah, because there's something really powerful about the simplicity. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't always get any more. I know. Well, I'm it's the say. fine line we walk between super, you know, new and and just oh, this is so wonderful. To we've been doing it for so long, and yeah. I, you know, this is what this is the time is, and I will have this feeling I right. need to feel because I need this in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So 
got it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. And and you know our topic we're talking about is the aspect of, and this is where we come into redesigning what we talk about, <laughs> is um, the mother, the mother aspect. And that, of course, evokes the concept of, well, mother is no longer the structure of ways that it had been in the past, either the past of our decades and our, our, our civilization or others. So we use terms like nurturer, mm-hmm. okay, or father. Right. And father is not in the masculine sense. It's that you have to give the male the process that now a lot of times they do the nurturing. We call them, what is it, um, um, mom, um, father, was it Mom, Dad, or something. I can't remember. <laughs> it's like it just went. I don't know. It's like it was a movie, and they did a movie on it. It was called that, but anyway, where he becomes, you know, the, the the father becomes the mom. Right. Because the mom is doing something out in the world right. that is more of the masculine energies, or it just happens there is no mom there for whatever other reasons, and so Mr. You be- mom, is that the movie? That's you're the roof. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Mom. <laughs> it just took him. A moment there for us to think But uh, I think that's why when you do, when I look at the books I have and the, and the, the training I've had, yeah. it comes from a time when there was a delineation they used. Yeah. And the fluidity has come in now. Yeah. Right. And I really feel it's good. It's very frustrating, though. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to have a conversation about this topic, right? We've been, we're doing a series on rites of passages. We started with birth, and we went into coming of age, and now this is our next show to talk about that mother and father rite of passage and and what that energetic looks like. And it's really hard to have this conversation where it's been this binary Uh for for since the inception of modern witchcraft, right, and and now witchcraft is moving paganism is moving to a much more fluid space. Mm-hmm. But I think within that we can talk about the spectrum and and focus on the polarity because there is a, there is a polarity. Right, there it doesn't is. have to be stuck there. Right, right. But right. at least to acknowledge it exists, and some of this is societal expectations. Thinking of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s when a lot of this esoteric stuff mm-hmm. that now uh, modern witchcraft was born from, mm-hmm. right? What were the gender roles? What was gender? What did right. it look like during that time? Right. Well, it was a very specific thing. Mm-hmm. June Cleaver stayed home and wore dresses and made dinner and cleaned the house and had a very specific role of rearing the children. And what was the dad's name? I have Mr. Cleaver. Mr. Cleaver went to his job and came home and had expectations and was the one that was the reprimander of the children and and if you think of it in the tarot, it's like the empress and the emperor. Right. The the one who's the nurturer who grows the things and provides the nur- the sustenance. Mm-hmm. And then you have the emperor who provides the the financial who is the one who sets the rules, who is the one that creates the structure. Right. And looking at that as the polarity. And we're going to call that polarity mother-father, but it could be called Frank and Jack. It could there be you. called plate and spoon. It right. doesn't matter, but for us, for today, for right. the show, we're going to talk about mother-father. Right. 
Thank you. So we, we have a definition now, or at least parameters in which we can start. I think we have to, right? Yeah, it has to be that way. <laughs> Considering how we, we've been functioning recently, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's what we're going to talk about. Right. And, um, you know, there is a moment in time where when you hit a certain place, yeah, it's about, you know, the taking of responsibilities right. for your actions and your commitments. That's called adulthood. Um, people call it parenthood uh, because suddenly when you become a parent, you're, you've birthed something. It is now your responsibility to take care of it, whether it's truthfully a child, a living being of your own humanness, mm -hmm. or a animal, or a creation. Mm -hmm. It is time for you to take the responsibility for it. You just don't drop it and walk away. Right. Some people, in some situations, that's what happens. But there is a, a, a cycle here because then that that left bundle of creation mm -hmm. has a harder time to survive or dies. Yeah. See, so yeah. so we we have to look at that. So that is also a part. And in this time frame, being an adult mm -hmm. is a really iffy thing for even people that reach the age of what we have described as adulthood. Right. Um, whether we're talking about people in relationships or we're talking about people in the world doing their jobs or being responsible. Right. And um, I find it very interesting. I was raised by a family ethics of uh, people that had the turn of the century consciousness of, you know, you come, you work hard, you mm -hmm. do your thing, you take responsibility for your actions, and, you know, you don't run away. Um, and it's fascinating for me to watch and listen to whether they're people, clients, news, whatever, about how people are always trying to not take responsibility. Mm. Somebody else's fault. Mm. You know, I didn't do that. It was not mine. Right. Yeah, and I, um, and it's sad because a lot of the people I know I deal with are um, people with families that don't necessarily follow the, we wound up getting married, having children, and, you know, living forever together, and, they're, you know, that kind of a process. It's that split families, people that had children that don't have parents, you know, mm -hmm. one or both sometimes. They're with the grandparent. Right. Well, and the, and the world has changed, right? So if you think about it, just think about, the logic and the science behind it. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of years ago, people were not living as long as we live now. That's you true. You made it to 50. That was pretty old, right? Yeah. So you got married at 12 or 13. You started having babies really young. Right. You know, by the time you were 20, if you weren't married with a kid or two, you were an old maid if you were a woman. Right. And that started to get older and older and older, you know, for my mom at, who got married at um, 19, and, you know, that that was okay, mm -hmm. you know. My grandmother got married at 19. That was old. Mm -hmm. She was kind of, like, towards the end of her prime. Right. Right? So even just looking back, the, so I was born in 1978, just looking back to the two generations before me, mm -hmm. what the change of that window was. And right. I did get married at 20. And my family freaked out because I was too young and right. crazy and right. all that stuff. 
So just looking at that progression. Mm-hmm. And now people at tw- 20 is too young to get married, absolutely, and, you know, do what you want. But that's very young. <laughs> yeah. You know, and people aren't, because, of, you know, I'm using marriage as the, the sort of marker here, but, you know, whatever, the the people are living into their 90s and 100s and, and regularly. Yes. 80 is now not unusual. Right. So all of these sort of rites of passage, except for, puberty because that happens biologically and uh, menstruate uh, menopause right these things uh, happen at different ages than right. they used to uh, everyone's getting older the expectation is older and you know 18 was considered an adult and it still is legally uh-huh. but no one considers an 18 year old kid like wise enough to really for the most part rule the yeah. world you know 21 is an adult because you can drink now or whatever. Whatever. It and becomes another marker. Right. Twenty five in the least United States. Now you can rent a car, now you're really an adult. But there's all these like stupid secular markers. Right. And I've recently heard like someone was talking about someone who was in their late twenties. Well they're just a kid still and I was like, Late twenties? That's not a kid. <laughs> they, they should at least have some shit figured out by their right. late 20s. Right. Know? But but the marker is getting older and older. And when I was a kid, my my grandmother, my mother, myself, and my daughter are all the same years apart. Mm-hmm. We all had our firstborn daughters the same years apart. Wow. That's right? an... So I totally forgot where I was going. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's that kind of a day. It probably is something to. Oh, I remember. There you go. With being forty. Forty. When I so I was sixteen and my mom was turned forty, and I remember thinking, "Wow, forty. That's intense, man. That's kind of you know." That's, yep. And for my grandmother, forty was old. That was it. Like your good days were behind you. Yeah. You're basically a grandma now. Yeah. So welcome to being old. Yeah. My mom's always been a very youthful person, so it, 40 didn't seem old to me, but it definitely felt like that's, you better be, you're grown up now. Like yeah. That for real. But now people who are 40 are like, oh, I'm just now getting my shit together. I'm just now figuring things out. I'm just now an adult. It, so it's like we keep pushing it. And part of that, I'm sure, is our fascination with youth culture, but yeah, that's, that's true. Thing I won't go down. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it and it is true. I mean, I guess and from from my way, my family, my parents didn't start their family till they were in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. And so for me, the concept of age was really skewed yeah. because yeah. of where we came in. So I don't think of, you know, old except when I look at a chronology of what this demarcates. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, at 65, you get your Social Security. Right. That was a real trip. It was kind of like, okay, now you have to take Medicare. But I don't want Medicare. <laughs> but you have to take Medicare. You're 65. You can't take any of these other things. You can have private medication, you know, private insurance. Right. But now you have to take Medicare. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It, it shifts. Yeah. And I know that, so it's very... It is different. Yep. So when we talk about being a parent of a of something, yeah. whatever it is, and taking responsibility, sometimes it is young. But yep. for us, we look at it as like, oh my gosh, you know, that's so young. Right. Because most of the, what happens is our culture doesn't expect. Right them to be mature 
when your grandmother was at, when she was at a certain age, when she was young and she started her, they expected you to be able to do this and to go out and take care of the kids and, yeah, I didn't you know, know how to cook and yeah, clean and, and do all those things. Or, yep. And, um, now it's kind of like, guy, what do I do there? Yeah, and I noticed that with my 16-year-old, there are things that, and, and we're different personalities, so I understand that that's part of it, but there's never been a thing I didn't know how to do that I wouldn't have tried to at least figure out. Right. I'll, I'll figure it out. With her, if she doesn't know how to do it, she won't do it. She wants someone to, like, show her how to do it or give her instructions or walk her through it. Right. She doesn't want to just have to try and figure it out. Right. And I don't know if that's her personality or if that's because I was too coddling or if that's mm-hmm. part of being in her generation. Yeah. I don't know. But it is a very different way of being in the world. Yeah. And very so when we say, you know, adulthood, taking responsibility, yeah. uh, it also, I think, it is sometimes you're suddenly thrown into what we would call the adult world. Yeah. At a very young age, mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of that, and we're talking about economic bases like United States yeah. and Canada and the Western the world, Western world yeah. because it does, it, it's totally different when you're talking um, outside of that. Right. Right. Whether, and I don't, to say third world, it really hurts because, you know, where, yes, there is third world countries, yeah. but the point is, is that people grow up a lot sooner. Right. Yeah. Their conditions. It's a different life situation. Yeah. Yeah. So um, having that in And there, and t- typically those countries and folks who live, in, especially in a more tribal lifestyle, mm-hmm. practice better rites of passage than we do. Right. They tend to acknowledge those markations in, in transitioning much better than mm-hmm. we do in the Western I mean, world. We do. The one thing we have to say is we still have it down to motherhood, in the biological sense, gets a certain amount of hoop-de-doo. I yeah. mean, you have, and the thing that's really, I swear, I, I'm like going, first you had baby showers. Yes. Okay. Now what you have, before you have the baby shower, is a gender reveal right. gathering. Right. Because everybody finds out about the child yeah. gender because of our technology. And then you have a baby shower because now you know what you're you're going to have so you can focus on it. And then, you know, the mom has the baby and, you know, we go through the whole, you know, mom comes home with the baby and everybody is right. like, wow, that's really great. It's wonderful. Or, you know, most of the time. Yeah. We're using a most. Uh, I've just noticed that, you know, again, we've had a change of rites of passage. Yeah. There's two interesting things that I've noticed recently around specifically motherhood and that rite of passage. One is push presence. Oh, what's that? Where... The father or the partner will buy presents for the woman who's going to give birth oh, wow. as a gift for what she's about to go through. Nice. And I have very mixed feelings about it. Part of me is like, oh, that's so cute. And part of me is like, ew, that's so corporate capitalist. It makes me want to throw up. It's another consumerism. I have such mixed feelings about it. <laughs> the other thing that I have mixed feelings about is these sexy photo shoots with pregnant women. Oh, yeah. I can't even tell you how many women I know that have posted their pregnancy photo shoots 
where they're all like sexily, like they think they're Beyonce. They're all sexily clad and just their big bellies revealed, and you know it's all like yeah. Demi Moore back yeah. in the eighties. Oh God, right? yes, that was a, like an iconic thing. Right. So, and I I love it because it's like yes, celebrate all bodies, and it's like really, do we have to sexualize? fucking everything right now. I know. So I have mixed feelings about that, too. That's my Libra moon showing. Well, and I I get it. I really get it because it does have two sides. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know. There was no way in hell when I was pregnant that you would have got me down to my birthday suit with a fig leaf on my crotch. There's no way I would have done that. No way I would have done that. I don't think. Well, I don't know. More power to the ladies who are like, check me out, I'm hot. Yeah. I was not having that. I didn't necessarily go that route. It was kind of interesting. I, it was, I, I relished, and and was excited in my own personal way of what was going on with my body. Right. And uh, my husband was you know, entranced with it in its own, his own way. I mean, it, it was very interesting. It was a very personal thing. So I think yeah. maybe that's the difference of another part of the generations down. Right, that right. Certain things became more, are more personal. Right, right. And other now is more, I mean, we're, people take photographs of what they eat and put it on yeah, Facebook true. and Twitter and Instagram yeah. and, you know, selfies. And so it's a completely different reference point. And I'm not going to make a, a, uh, a judgment, right? but I will say that it's a very self point yeah. of reference. Absolutely. And I'm glad because in, in that way, it's pushing the barrier that was yeah, there. Celebratory. Yeah, so if you think about it from a societal Excuse me. Perspective. You couldn't even say the word pregnancy on television. Yes. I Love Lucy was the first TV show to say the word pregnant. Right. Television. And that was groundbreaking and shocking. Exactly. Right? Like crazy ridiculous. And for the hundreds of years before that, basically since the church became a powerhouse, if you were pregnant, it was not something you talked about. You had to be modest and keep your belly covered. And when you got big enough that it was obvious you were pregnant, you were supposed to hide. Stay inside and hide. Yep. Right? So, yes. Do I love that women are naked on the Internet, splashing their sexy bellies? Yes, I love it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> well, and that, that's okay because that, again, is, is a personal It's a personal thing. Absolutely. And then there's the global thing. Absolutely. You know, and we can hold opposing points of reference, I think that's the key to being able to be in a place where we are reaching a a better space is to be able to hold opposing things, see the points of view, and still acknowledge the good part of it. I don't like that, that... Everything about a woman has to be sexualized. Yeah. I think that's that it's my feminist root. Yeah. That's like, no, not not everything needs to be sexualized. Can't something just be beautiful? And it actually if you look at like the the pictures of Beyonce, they're freaking beautiful. That she is Oshun reincarnated. Right. They're beautiful. And I don't find those the photographs of Beyonce sexy. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. There, the, it is. It is Oshun. Mm-hmm. It is the goddess, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, from that perspective, I think that's that, that's my yes side of the Libra scale. Right. The other right. side is I don't. I, I'm tired of everything about women being sexualized. Well, and that's 
Well, and see, here's that. Think of it. In the in the traditions that we are um, opposite, hold opposite points of reference, mm-hmm. Mother Madonna right. became untouchable. Right. Okay. Right. The the mother is not only so untouchable, she's a fucking virgin. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you have the dynamic of you are either a mother virgin, yeah. put on a pedestal and left, yeah. or you're the whore right. who shows everything. Right. Okay. Right, and that overculture has been oppressing women for over 2,000 years. Exactly. Yeah. So being in what we're calling the mother-father-nurturing stage, we could talk about a bunch of things. I think yeah. where we're going right now is what is the perspective that has changed and where we hold that concept and that in in reality. What yeah. do we do with it in reality? Yeah. And we can be a sexy mom. Absolutely. We can have, be a sexy pregnant mom. Absolutely. You know, and yes, but it's it's... Again, we still have that duality of consciousness that has been pushed upon the aspect of mother. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and, you know, and no matter how enlightened we are, we still live in a society and a culture where that is a force. Right. And it's in, it's, uh, in everything. Yes, it's it is. It's not even obvious it's in everything. It's covert and sneaky, and the word I want to use I can't pull <laughs> you will get it because as soon as we walk to another part of our subject, we will f- you will find it. But it's it's in everything. You can't subversive. That's I think that's it. Yeah, maybe sounds close. Good enough for the moment. Yeah, but <laughs> you can't get away from it. It, it. it influences our our life. Exactly. We are under the thumb of patriarchy. Exactly. Even if we're aware that patriarchy exists because of that, and you know, obviously. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said about the aspect of parent, mother, mm-hmm. nurturer, the one who takes care of. Yeah. Um, in this society, we are changing. People don't have a gender that they need to be locked into. Right. Um, it is uh, it's about different things. It's about nurturing your creative uh, processes. It's uh, becoming that part of it. And it's interesting because a lot of times... When I have clients, and you know they're looking to be a mother, they want to be a mother. They they whatever the, whether they have other kids, they want more or whatever. The first thing that you it's about create something mm-hmm. and nurture it. Yeah, you know there was a there was a time when the kids had these little pets. They were Japanese, mm-hmm. and my daughter had it. And huh, a gigapet. That gigapet. Yes. And then they went to uh, down the road. It was it was morphed into a baby. You could have a little baby, and mm-hmm. it did the same electronic. And you had to you had to feed it and change it and do. But it was a little electronic process. Yeah. And it isn't that I look at that as trying to keep a gender in place. It's how to take care of something. Right. You know. Right. And I found it fascinating because. As kids have limited attention spans, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in a negative way, um, they do because they're yeah. they're they're so their yeah. brain is they're so you know they're individual. For that. But as humans, think about what we do to nurture. We get a plant, we love a plant, we we play with it, we we nurture it, and then we forget to water it and it dies. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I've done that more than one time, so I own it. Okay, I mean, right now, I think the existence of the fact that I have one bamboo plant that gets water and it sits here is the after having had in my other house it's also the light in this place isn't great but it's the idea 
that I had plants all over and I was nurturing them and doing them and my time and everything is no longer focused on that yeah. and I come home and I don't really, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's the point. Right. What do we put our attention to to focus and nurture? Yeah. And then take responsibility for that we have to do. Like, I want a beautiful lush garden. Well, either you pay somebody to do it. Right. Or you take the you time and energy. A, it's an everyday activity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Should we take a break? I think we should talk take about, a break. like, magic and ritual and stuff? I think that'll be good. Witchy stuff? Witchy stuff. Okay, we'll be back. Bye. You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Holly, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour, with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7, all time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Well, as we are back, back, back. Yep. So, talking about the concept of mother and ritual, let's just go with the time frame is actually summer. That is considered the time of fullness, isn't yeah. it not? I guess so, sure. <laughs> I threw her a curveball. Yeah. I know. Um, well, I'm sitting here with my notes. Oh, okay. Well, I, this one. But what it, it, when it was talking about looking at the mother aspect, when would be the time in the year, Yeah, it would be the summertime, the fruition of things, the full moon, um, Beltane, summer solstice right now, you know, as this moment is. So it would be the time of year we could perform rituals or the time of the month to perform rituals and what kind. I might counter that, that it could also be the fall where everything is Fruiting. Well, and that's bearing renewables, and you can gain sustenance from the land. I will add that. We will add that. <laughs> NASA. Yes. Right? I mean, yes. doesn't that make sense? Yes. Well, it's not just the fullness, but the actual bursting the fruiting. Forth. The fruiting. As long as fruiting. we know. Fruiting and flowering. Fruiting. So, what kind of things could we do during this time? Magic wise. I would probably for this time of the year, or yes. for going into a mother-father transition yourself, or both. I mean, I think what we would look at is um, well, and it's funny because where I was coming from yeah. actually was more about um, what things would you put under this, you yeah. know, like uh, a project that is coming to fruition mm-hmm. or completion. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the actual physical childbirth process yep. in that sense. Yep. Um, you know, it would be a time for guidance in life decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do and where are you going? And then actually taking steps for that. Um, it's funny. I have to say this. 
we all know about the June Pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so marriage would be the case. You know, there would be marriage. But, again, marriage is coming together of two things or more, you know, right. more than two things in some instances yeah. with belief systems uh, to to engage in something that you, you take for another step in your life to find more. So if you're looking at maybe creating a business or something mm-hmm. that has more people you're putting together. It's not just your right. business. But you know, I was thinking uh, a right a mother, father rite of passage would be buying a house. Yes. Right, where you you put all this time and money and energy into investing in this thing that you are now responsible for for the next 30 years. Yeah. Right? Yep. And you have to maintain it and upkeep it and keep things going and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Without yeah. responsibility. Exactly. True. Um, and, of course, we all have the standard, you know, gardening, right? You know, getting out and, and really, you know, putting together a garden and, and the things there. Um, and, I mean, you, you said a house. It's like if somebody chooses to get a car. Yeah. You know, it's, it's I'm going to buy a car. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to buy the car, pay for the car, have to have the way to pay for it and maintain it. Right. You know, I have an old car, so I am not only, I am the best nurturer to that car because I want it to continue to live and, and prosper. Right. But the point is, is that that process, it is taking something and making a transition. Right. You know, and in, in our day and age, house buying is a big thing. Of course, in mm-hmm. California, it's a big thing because... Because it's possible to afford one. Right. Yeah. Well, and you have, like, the the ritual of buying a home, you have the housewarming party. Exactly. Right? And even if you look at the, the magic of a housewarming party, people bring gifts to fill the house. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, because ideally it's a new couple who's young and just moving in together <laughs> and they don't have anything. So the families bring things to fill the house so they are prosperous. Right. right? And there are some super superstitions. You need to bring salt and bread and milk, depending on your region of the world. Right. You bring a gift that is sustaining, like a living plant, right? Mm-hmm. Something that brings good luck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's a way to ritualize. Um, one of the things I've seen done with some of the witches locally with housewarming parties mm-hmm. is to have um, a piece of art that people write blessings on, mm-hmm. and then it's hung in the home. Right. Right. So there's right. ways to celebrate that rite of passage. Mm-hmm. So you have, and, you know, it's like we're we're trying to broaden the base here on mm-hmm. what kind of rituals you can do. So that's one. Yeah. You can do a ritual of, you know, you get your first job and you get your first paycheck. Right. I remember when I got my first job, I mean, really, job, job, and I got my first paycheck, I went out, and because I worked in a place that I constantly went by this this carpet place, I bought a carpet, a, mm-hmm. a, a area rug. Yeah. To this day, I still have it. Yeah. It uh, it needs a little repair, but it was a, a you know an oriental rug, and I wanted it. It was so pretty, and it would go really. And I mean, that was my that was my I honored my right of having my first paycheck yeah. that I would do something that uh, that memorialized it. Right. Well, you see many businesses have a framed dollar. Yes. Right? That's the rite of passage of opening their business and accepting their first payment. Right. Memorializing that payment. Exactly. You know, exactly. To show what they've accomplished. Yeah. And yeah. It, because you do different things 
differently. I mean, people make up their own rituals. You know, mm-hmm. they get together and they they get their first book contract. Yeah. And you know, they they choose to have a little gathering to honor it. It's you know, it may be personal, but it's a big thing if it's right. starting a career. Right. Um. So each of us needs to look at when we go through things to find a way to honor right. what you're doing as a as a step. Right. And, um, you know, then, of course, it goes to the hard work of what you have to do to keep it up. Mm-hmm. And that's work. And the rich, like if you're physically pregnant and having stepping into motherhood, there's often a ritual. I've heard it called a blessing way, and I have mixed feelings about that title. Mm-hmm. But a blessing way to is a ritual to help the process of transitioning into motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I've seen blessing ways where it's all about pampering the the soon-to-be mother, the pregnant woman, or uh, I've seen blessing ways for adopted mothers mm-hmm. or mothers of surrogates mm-hmm. where they're not actually physically pregnant, but they're about to uh, invite a baby into their lives. Right. There's a blessing way to pamper them, right? Right. I've also seen blessing way rituals where there is a ritual done to magically aid in the safe and easy birth of the baby. Right. And that, when I had a, my my baby shower, quote unquote, mm-hmm. we had a ritual specifically for that, where we did a ritual so that the birth and labor and all of that would be quick and easy and as painless as possible. Right, because right? that's the other part of birth is it does have, you know, the labor, yeah, they call it labor for a reason, right? And we call it a labor of love when we talk about creating, right? Things. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I and pay attention to language, yes, because of words or spells, they are. <laughs> and uh, it, when you do, and that's that actually is neuro linguistics programming. Yep. So you've got that in in your thing. And when we were talking. In ancient times, I'm sure they didn't necessarily talk about labor. Yeah. It was, you know, the, the child cometh or it yeah. moves forward. or There's yeah. all kinds of terms that I'm sure were not things we will know ever. But when you see what yeah. was talked about in terms of birth, it was painful, mm-hmm. it was long, mm-hmm. it was, you know, difficult, it came from dangerous, dangerous. It, and in the times that it, it truly you yeah. know, was because of, the things that we now know how to take care of having a child. Right. I don't say that, you know, I mean, we have medical things that, that help out, mm-hmm. but I also think that um, the midwives of old had ways of helping, too, yeah. that were yeah. that One were probably of the most safer. ancient forms of magic in the Middle East is belly dancing. Mm-hmm. And the belly dancers, there's this whole line of belly dancing that was done as a uh, midwifery mm-hmm. and the woman would be laboring and women uh, the midwives would be gathered around her and they would be doing belly rolls mm-hmm. and other undulations mm-hmm. as sympathetic magic to help right. her body right. release the child right yeah so those things can be brought forward absolutely but i feel that in a society that is structured in a different way now mm-hmm. it is not going to be going back to the old way. It's to how do you merge the two together to yeah. make something a third completely new thing? Yeah, that's kind of like my whole. And I, you know, I am writing a book, so 
everything is current fodder for my mm-hmm. process. But I'm looking at these things because I'm writing about deity and, and ancestor work and, and all of that kind of magic. And I'm looking at some of these ancient concepts, and I'm looking at what we do now and realizing it, it, there are threads and trails. But even the, thing, the threads of the origins of the modern witchcraft movement in the 50s and, you know, in that occult era, it's changed. Uh-huh. It's not the same. Uh-huh. And I think that's important for witches and pagans to acknowledge. Right. Is it has to change because evolution is required. Yes. Otherwise, it falls away. It, right. It can't survive if it's rigid. Right. I right. Think, and I think taking these, the, the important thing, and I will probably preach this on every episode, every <laughs> conversation until I die, is to give to understand the origins of the ritual, to know where that seed came from, uh-huh. and to give it respect and gratitude, right. right? And not just go, oh, I read this thing that they do in Africa. I'm going to steal that and use that in my ritual because it sounds really cool. Give reverence and respect to the origins right. of these rituals that right. you might find on the Internet. Yeah, because that it's it. We've got an incredible and vast knowledge opening to us through this process, but it is something that um, requires um, conscious thought about what you're doing, Uh, and and that goes back to being a parent is being responsible. Right. Responsible to what you do. Yesterday, okay, this this is totally (laughs) triggered something. Yesterday, someone that I am friends with on the interwebs, and it's someone I'm friends with in person, but our relationship is a little bit uh, challenging at the moment, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they posted something online yesterday about how they ha- they've gotten in this this online social media tussle with somebody, mm-hmm. and this person was the, the person that I'm friends with was saying that you know they were basically someone thought that they had bigger spiritual britches than they did, and so they were like putting them in their place and then sharing this conversation mm-hmm. on their Facebook page. And their response was, you should just be lucky that I've outgrown doing magic just to fuck with people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely never was in a phase where I would do magic just to fuck with people. Yeah. But I definitely went through a phase where I was, more careless and I did things because I wanted to see if it would work and I I experimented with spells and rituals to to try things out Uh that were probably careless and and dangerous Uh and now I would never do some of those things but it was really interesting to see someone and this person is older than me Uh significantly and they were like yeah I've you know I've grown out of that, uh-huh. and it makes me think about taking responsibility for our magic, taking right. responsibility for our ritual, taking responsibility for our words and our action, uh-huh. and how all of that feeds this concept of mother-father responsibility. Right, right. Nurturing. And that's the point. You know, <laughs> okay, there is a situation that has happened in our United States that uh-huh. has made major news, oh, yes. Okay, which I will and may talk about later, but just to say that everybody that got upset doesn't mean that it was just the average person, which is true they did, and I'm sure there were a lot of people who did magic and Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. And 
in an injustice of such a magnitude, I can understand how that could be. I have, a, you know, various clients. And truthfully, when somebody who messes with you and has turned around and um, no longer wants to be with you, and this is a relationship, and then you suddenly are you're so angry because mm-hmm. of what that person is now doing in their life, and you really don't want them. No. But what you want is you want them yeah. to be in the pits of hell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want you anymore, but you hurt me and I want you to suffer. And you're looking yeah. at this going and for me, I mean I'm going that is so personally small mm-hmm. and yet you could take that energy and direct it to some of what is right. out there as a bigger injustice right. that is harming in so many ways. Right. And I just kinda of wanted to say, could you just please grow up enough and focus over here because right. this has nothing yeah. that you're going to get out of it. Yeah. And matter of fact, that kind of thing, from those of us who have done things, sure. comes back at you. Yeah. Because, and then when you, get, and the funny part is, is, you know, when they say, you know, that I can't remember what the, the process is, is. I think it's revenge is, is, is a uh, plate best served cold. It means don't have energy towards it. Right. When you're so fiery and energetic. Right. So when we're talking about something that's so personal, yeah. we put too much energy into it. That energy is wasted. It's wasted. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, uh, there's a quote that I don't remember who said it. Sorry to the person I'm about to steal the quote from. Uh, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because you hold on and all you, you you just wait for something negative to happen. And, and it's so interesting because when you finally just let it go, yeah. what happens is is you it's like the other situation, which no longer means anything, mm-hmm. you'll eventually hear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then it's, it's like. It's a space for you to have more success. Like, yeah. that's the best revenge. Yeah. It's turning around and being super happy and yeah. getting exactly what it is. And so what if they took da-da-da? You know, on air I will now say this. Um, a business partner and I and, you know, a couple couple of us wrote a, a script and it eventually got stolen mm. by, you know, another larger group of people that then put it into effect. And to this day... It's actually been made. It's been made into a movie. It's been made into a remake of that movie. And I have only to say this: every time I hear it or see it, I laugh because I know I has that that we had something so freaking good that yeah. somebody went ahead and stole it. Yeah. And I know how it got stolen. I who know who did it. It was you know it's just one of those things that is very very common in the film industry. Right. But for me to look at that and get. I'm going to take you to court and everything. And I thought about it and talked to somebody and found out that not only was it, you know, a huge amount of money, but, you know, this is what you had to do. And I just looked at it and I'm going, if you stole from me, it means my idea or our idea was so freaking good. Yeah. And in in test of time, I just look at it and laugh. I didn't make the kind of money. I didn't do that because I was eventually supposed to come and do the work I'm doing now. Right. If I'd stayed down there and do the film industry, I wouldn't be doing this stuff. Right, and to me, I look at this was my path. It had to pull me out of there to go sure. here, sure. but it keeps reminding me of that. And so that's an everyday, you know, it will it will always pop up. 
So when you look at things that you're trying to do mm-hmm. in that use that negative energy, mm-hmm. that responsibility is yep. that you have responsibility for what it's going to do, and you can't just say, because it did, I can't know. let it go. Yeah, but truthfully, the the situation that I feel strong enough to, to you know, it's like we're talking about parent. Right. All right. We're talking about mother, father. We're talking about taking responsibility. And as a, and I'm going to jump it, as a country, we should take responsibility for the consciousness of being family orientated and not taking and splitting families up for whatever the reason is under whatever, quote, misguided reference point gets put in. Yeah, absolutely. And unquote, I always like to add the unquote, because to me what has just happened has been unforgivable in the way that people have done what they've done. Right. And um, I actually told Phoenix before the show, it was painful. I know that certain... um, People have reported this, and they broke down, literally, on television. They had to have the camera taken away. Right. But when you see a three-year-old right. crying, and the comment is, they're taking the child away from the family, I look at and see my granddaughter. Right. I see my, you know, I see my, fam- my, my blood just goes into abject agony. Right. So to me, this has been personal because I also have many friends mm-hmm. in places that have had, you know, that this is when they came over and they, they didn't have the things that they then now have as, as citizenship and what the dynamics were. Yeah. And these are not people who are trying to smuggle drugs or do anything illegal. These are people who are seeking asylum. These are people who need help, whose, yeah. whose countries of origin are dangerous, and they're trying to do better by their children. Right. And their children are taken away. And not only that, they are given to American families. They're, they are being flown all over the United States and being put into other homes. That is disgusting yeah. and wrong. And this is the – we are well in – there's a map of genocide it's like level one through ten. We're at like step six with this yeah. action of genocide. It's disgusting. It's wrong and immoral. And whatever your beliefs are about immigration, I don't care. You don't do that to people. This is what we were just talking about this, I think, on our last show. Because we, have, we as a species, and especially as the Western world, and especially as Americans, we have forgotten that we are interconnected. We have forgotten how to be caring and compassionate towards others. Our overculture and our government is looking at everyone as an enemy, and that's the wrong way to be. Mm-hmm. That is the wrong way to be, and we are headed down a very scary road as a country. I know. And if I thought any other country would want me, I'd be out. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't have anything to offer another country. Right. They're like, thanks, go to medical school, and then come back. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it's it's just, to me, I and you know, when I say that part of my heritage are the founding fathers yeah. and mothers of this country. I look at this and I go, they came over. Yes, there was an invasion into this country. Yes. Okay, we will never be able to undo 
the fact that that happened. No. But the point here is is that I look at what they were trying to do was establish a better place on my family, my father's side, to come over and live in an environment that allowed them to expand and become better than where they were living because, as you say, it was dangerous. It was no longer healthy. It right. was, And here we are. Yeah. And, you know, there was a... Uh, uh, a uh, one of the cartoons, political cartoons, and it was pretty graphic. It had cages and it had mm-hmm. different age levels, and it showed a shopping cart and and the Statue of Liberty throwing kids into the and going into different ones of the the yeah. sectors. And my thought was, is how yeah. could you see that yeah. as a cartoon two hundred years plus from when this hap- when we started our world here? It was it was yep. awful, yep. and yet the outcry did create a cessation through signature on paper of separations. The question comes: Is what of all the children that have separate been right. separated? Right. Yeah. There. And I mean, honestly, for me, there's more than that because now instead of Separating children and locking everyone away. They're going to lock everybody. Gonna lock up. everyone it, it together, which is still a problem. Yes. Um, but, you know, that's a whole other That's another subject. state. And, and well, it's the end of our time. It is the end of our time. <laughs> Lisha. On that happy note. <laughs> well, as a parent, as a nurturer, yeah. that's what we need to do is we need to take responsibility, and that's what has been happening. And I wish to applaud the, the airlines that have said no. Yes, absolutely. They will not allow that. So, and the and the different people that have stood up yeah. in our government, as yeah. well as the others. Yeah, and if you feel strongly one way or the other, you know, contact your representatives. Even if, like, we live in California, where I know our representatives are doing exactly what I would want them to do because they are democratic and more progressive. I still need to call them and say do this. Thank you for doing this. We need to support this. It's important yeah. to contact your representatives. So let yeah. me know. Anyway. And that is that's that's taking responsibility for the for the children. Yeah. Taking responsibility as a parent. Yeah. And whether or not we're a mother or a father or a parent or a nurturer or in between all of that. Yeah. And that's what our show ends on. Yeah. Take so, responsibility. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh next week's show is a rerun. True. It will be our new moon episode. Our new moon? New moon. And then the following week on July 20th, we will be doing a show on healing magic. Whoa. So that's what's coming up. Yep. So have a wonderful time while we off yeah. do our thing. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. 
Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be. Hey, Santa Rosa, you may have heard about a brand new Kaiser Permanente facility coming soon to your community. Well, that day has finally come. Our new medical offices are now open in Southwest Santa Rosa. That's right. We're growing with your community to provide even more access to things like obstetrics, gynecology, pediatrics, and family medicine. Just another way we're delivering the quality care you expect from us. Kaiser Permanente, together we thrive. Visit kp.org slash mercuryway to learn more. Don Joy Advantage, a leader in sports medicine, helps you remain active. You can find proven, trusted technology in bracing, compression, and supports right at your local Walgreens. Live life in motion with Don Joy Advantage. Individual results may vary.